It's showtime. Okay, Tokyo, South America, Australia, France, Germany, UK, Africa. Here we go. Head on with Bob Kincaid. Three hours of conversation, cussing and a discussing with America's only born and bred Southern liberal talk host. Head on with Bob Kincaid is brought to you each night by Coal River Mountain Watch. Coal River Mountain Watch invites you to become part of the solution, part of a sustainable future, part of the uprising against mountaintop removal. Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. And now, from high in the hills of beautiful West Bicod, Virginia, here's Bob Kincaid on the Head On Radio Network. Well, howdy. and running. February is gone. Yay, y'all. It is the first day of March 2023. It is a prayer meeting Wednesday. This is the horn. Headon.live is where you'll find us on the interweb tubes. And that is, of course, where you go if you would like to be part of the Mary Wacky Zany real-time Madcap multimedia extravaganza that is the horn chat room in the three hours in which this program is live Monday through Friday, 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 2 to 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. All time zones in between and the great globe round. And where if you pop into the chat room right this very minute, you'll be greeted by early arrivers. I'm a couple of minutes late. Sorry about that. That foreman's a hell of a drug. Uh, but early arrivers, Theo and Squeaky and Ralphs and Irish David Anatole will all be happy. Happy to see you. Capable and moderated, of course, by... Horn Chief Agronomist and Chief Mathematician and Bud Trimmer Emeritus, Roger, in Oregon. And uh, apparently tomorrow is Anatole's birthday. Happy birthday, Anatole. Uh, happy birthday and many happy returns. Hi, I'm Robin. And we made it successfully through February. Today was an absolutely exquisite day here in the hills and hollers of almost level West by Cole Manchinia stand. Man, I'm in a pretty good mood. Sunlight does that to me. Uh, yeah. So I think, what, March the 12th? Um, we go back to daylight savings time. And that old um, indigenous proverb about only a white man would think that you can cut the bottom off a blanket and sew it to the top of the blanket and have more blanket. But I will enjoy the, the, the shifting of the hours of daylight. That'll be nice. I'll like that a lot. Well, thank you very kindly, Irish Dave. Robin, it's Women's Month, so you're excused for your tardiness. Thank you. I do appreciate that. That's very kind. Um. Of course, every program here at the Horn begins with gratitude, and this program is no different. Uh, so thanks go out to our first day of the month, PayPal subscribers. Thank you ever so kindly for 
being part of the process. Thank you, uh, uh, Oodles and Oodles, on this first day of the month. To uh, Rusty, thank you, Rusty, and thank you to Tom and Sunny San Rafael. Thank you, Joseph. Thank you, Mark. Thank you so very much. And uh, thank you to Robert, jumping in uh, yesterday, late last night. Thank you so much. And big thanks to uh, Max. Uh, Max in California, thank you for uh, getting up, uh, getting out in front of the of Bruce and Karen's memorial challenge. You know, we start the month, first broadcast of every month with a with a challenge, a, a doubling challenge in memory of our dear friends Bruce and Karen, and. Uh, our friends Chris in Germany and Ralphs and an anonymous individual put forward the $300 that makes it possible to double the first 300 that comes in in the new month. And that means thank you again to Max, who took care of two-thirds of it. So all we got to deal with now is 100 bucks. Ten folks at 10 bucks, five at 20, et cetera, et cetera, 20 at five. And uh, we'll be we'll be even for fundraising beginning the month of March. It was so nice to have a fundraising free uh, broadcast yesterday to end the month of February. Just wonderful, just delightful. Oh, and by the way, please, uh, if you listen via the podcast, and I know many of you do, uh, for instance, Hi Media, um, please like and subscribe wherever it is that you're uh, that you're that you're listening on whatever podcast platform, like and subscribe, and uh, leave a one-word or two-word, you know, leave a little comment as, as well, because it helps immensely in boosting the visibility of the program. So if you do that, it would be, uh, well, it'd be just wonderful. And Brother Deacon Asa would be tickled, and I'd be tickled, and uh, maybe we'll add some more people to the listenership of the program. I'd, I'd like that. That would be wonderful. Oh, Ralph's just posted a picture in the chat room. Kayla's in the blinds. Dave, are you catching this? Kayla's in the blind, too. Yeah. Kayla, stay out of the blinds. So where to begin... Uh, where to begin uh, this... Uh, broadcast this evening um, there's a number of possibilities uh, and I'm just uh, checking email to make sure that uh, Uh, Ralph's asking, uh, by the way, uh, after the fact, did that man that said, pardon me, ma'am, realize you? No, I don't think he ever did. Because I just kept moving and I didn't see him again. <sighs> um, okay, we should be all good there. Where to begin? Well, why not this? I mean... The people who say this are almost uniformly always good, God-fearing, upstanding, Bible-believing, Christ-centered, evangelical, fundamentalist, homosexual, Christian, Republicans.
So that qualifies as prayer meeting Wednesday material. The uh, poo-flinging monkeys of the uh, right wing now. Well, their their latest uh, their latest target is Pete Buttigieg, transportation secretary. Somehow or another, I guess uh, Secretary Buttigieg caused the train derailment in. East Palestine, Ohio? What? But, yeah. uh, So a maggot member of the House from Georgia Stan has attacked the Transportation Secretary. We have a president who actually put someone in place of the Department of Transportation who was instilled there on identity politics, not due to the fact that he actually knew what the job entailed and how to do the job. Yeah, that was with an that was from an interview with Fox News TV Radio Rwanda, Mike Collins and Yeah. Once again we find reason to wonder about the moral fiber of the people who sent Mike Collins to Congress. I think that really should be our focus going forward. Yeah, we see we, we see we see right wingers and maggots being assholes all the time. Washington DC, various state capitals, some townships and the lot. And they are who they are. But they are put there, and that means that they are put there in theory uh, under democratic processes. I mean, kind of hard to call jury, a gerrymandered district a democratic process, but yeah, Mike Collins went to Georgia on the will of some really awful people in Georgia. And so apparently Mike Collins is a homophobic asshat. Identity politics! That's kind of like... When you holler identity politics, you're either hollering about somebody who's black or gay or trans in this country. It, just like when a maggot starts on George Soros, that he's actually saying, Jew! But trying to dog whistle it, so maybe the only people who notice that are the people that he needs to notice it. But no, it became obvious because... The criticism of Pete Buttigieg is at choir levels. Not to mention the fact that, that the fact that Mike Collins of Georgia Stan, um, well, I guess he's forgotten who the previous transportation secretary was. Yeah, precisely, Brother Deacon Asa, thinking along the same lines, but not of the same person, uh, as opposed to Rick Head Ranch Perry, who was put in charge of DOE strictly based on his qualifications. Right, because he was wearing his smart Department of Energy glasses. Actually, I was thinking more of the previous Secretary of Transportation. 
because Lord knows Elaine Chow has lots of transportation department running experience because her daddy was a is a I don't know if he's still around or not a, a, a shipping magnate. You know, yeah, the guy the guy with the freighter that got busted carrying. And this is a complicated nautical uh, term. A shit ton of cocaine. For all we know, uh, Elaine Chow's daddy's shipping company may be one of those shipping companies that brings over the containers from China. And uh, they're full of uh, the fentanyl that Marginal Trailer Queen was uh, barking and braying and prattling about in the hearing audio that we had from yesterday's program. Yeah. And, of course, well, as far as transportation is concerned, we all know that Elaine Chow had uh, lots of, lots of, you know, she's paved a lot of roads. Elaine Chow has. Knows, knows lots and lots about freight trains. Of course, uh, there is that issue you know, that issue of uh, the fact that brake regulations were rolled back because of job-killing regulations yeah, by that guy. Geezer disgust us. But the homophobic slurs have been coming hot and fast. Now, over on Fox News TV, Radio Rwanda, the talking head there asked Mike Collins, is impeachment on the table, Congressman? Uh, uh, the, the response came, well, if he doesn't resign, everything's on the table because you can tell after two and a half years of a culture of wokeism in this department, you can see the results of it. Actually, that's not it. When you're talking about administrative agencies, it's more of a it's more of a dynamic flow. The things that get done in the previous four years take a couple of years to filter down. And in the case of a Republican presidential administration, it takes a little while for them to, for those for those fuck-ups to start fucking up. I mean, I think back to the master plan during the reign of error of dim leader. You know, all those tax giveaways were supposed to, well, the, the negative effects of them weren't supposed to be felt until uh, George W. Dipshit was long gone from the White House, and then they would, of course, bark and hunt and bray and prattle and hoot about you know, whoever the president was. Missed it by that much. Because, of course, you recall that the housing crisis that was a direct and proximate result of Bush administration policies, well, those chickens came home to roost a little bit early. And they clearly happened on dim leader's watch. But then, of course, 
that meant that Barack Obama, instead of having eight years of making America uh, a, a much more functional nation, uh, spent his administration cleaning up W's mess. Well, the same things the same things happening at transportation. The screw-ups of the geezer disgustus administration have taken a little while to take root. Now they have, and now we see the result. Funny how that works. Two and a half years of culture wokeism. You know what? Apparently dude, dude's no better at math than his fellow Georgia... Congress critter, marginal trailer queen. Let's see, January 21 to January 23. That's two years. And 21st of January, to, 20th of January, 20th of February. That's one month. 20th of February to 1st. That's one month and nine days. Not quite half a year there, Congress creep. No, that's not two and a half years of wokeism, dipshit. Then, of course, there was also uh, that bastion of masculinity, testicle-toasting Tokyo Rose Carlson, uh, who, in a backhanded swipe at the pre- at the transportation secretary. Uh, called Pete Buttigieg flamboyantly incompetent. Trader Tot, Nitwit Jr., said that Pete only got the job because he's gay. I mean, I admit, I think I think the hash marks down the highway would be cute if they were in like. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. And it would make for some uh, prettier roads. But no, I don't think I don't think Pete's. But but that's the way right wingers are, y'all. They are so by virtue of their toxic neo-Calvinist puritanism, so obsessed with how others love each other, that they can't help but see it as the primary characteristic of an individual. It's pathetic, really. So, shall we assume that Nitwit Nero was the fuck-up that he was because he's straight? At least, you know, nominally. I mean, that picture of him in a little short kimono robe on the bed in, in his younger years is uh, a little sus. Then Trader Tot's daddy, of course, referred to him as Pete Butt Digidig. Pete Butt Digidig. I think the best the, the best one of all, though, is the uh, mayor of Waynesboro, Virginia. I, I, I have yet to figure out why anybody, why the mayor of Waynesboro, Virginia, 
and I know where that is. It's right off of, uh, mm, I think, I-64. Or somewhere near the I-64-81 interchange. The mayor of Waynesboro, Virginia... Um, I'm sorry, yeah, the uh, vice mayor of Waynesboro, Virginia. He's the the county executive in charge of vice. Never mind, that's not true. Now, his name is Jim Wood, and he decided to unburden himself to the world of his thoughts on Pete Buttigieg, referring to him as Pete Buttplug. Yeah. He said, I guess because he's an expert on trains, Vice Mayor Wood, uh, that Secretary Pete should have acted faster. Should have acted faster. Reacted to it faster. Problem is... There were transporta- the National Transportation Safety Board was on scene almost immediately after the derailment. It's not like a cabinet secretary has wizarding robes and a wand or a staff or, a, well, I mean, you know, like walking stick staff. There's a staff at the Department of Transportation. Just trying to be clear here. And when uh, when Vice Mayor Wood said that, uh, look at Ohio right now at this train derailment. You know the staff of the old Pete Buttplug or whatever his name is is telling everybody, you know, don't pay attention to that over there. That's no big deal. Oh, wait a minute, that's Trump's fault. Well, it 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 is. It's it's his fault and the fault of his transportation secretary, whom he has now taken to referring to as. Elaine Coco Chow? Don't ask me. And then when he got called out, I said, no, no, uh, it was play on his name only. Uh, he said this to the Stanton news leader. Uh, his lack of action in helping people affected by the train derailment in Ohio was the topic of conversation about his, about his personal life. Uh, sure, sure. Jim. Morning. Wood? Chasten Buttigieg, Pete's husband, chimed in on Twitter and said, uh, uh, his most recent post on Facebook is about Rush Limbaugh. I think we know where he stands on homophobia. It's who they are, y'all. This, and and, and every last one of them is, of course, a Christian. Because, of course... And meanwhile, down in Florida, 
the new College of Florida, small liberal arts college, well, using his vast powers, Ron Monkey Up DeClantis uh, rearranged and made in his own image the Board of Trustees of the new College of Florida, who immediately set about the business of turning the new College of Florida into a, um, well, a, a, a center of right-wing poison in the state of Florida. Monkey Up appointed six people to the new college's board. as in an effort to, well, like I said, remake it in his own image. Uh, he even included on the board, uh, oh, God, what's the guy's name? Uh, Christopher Rufo, the guy who put the barking and grunting about CRT uh, on the map, created it out of whole cloth. And so now uh, this new board has closed and abolished the existence of the office at the new College of Florida that handles diversity, equity, and inclusion programs. They did this during a meeting yesterday. Students attended and complained. And explained that this is that, that the move makes the new College of Florida in Sarasota inimical to the needs of minority students. Because it makes right wing maggots happy to manifest their racism, their bigotry their homomesia, their transmesia. And yesterday was the first board meeting for his hand-picked president, uh, an ally of DeClantis named Richard Corcoran. It was at a meeting on January the 31st that the aforementioned Christopher Rufo move to abolish diversity programs at the new College of Florida. Good for the students. They protested monkey up. Defy DeSantis, defy fascism. And again, they're doing all this because they know they're failing. 
had they not spent so much time on things like diversity, equity, inclusion, CRT, and and these red meat issues for the uh, for the MAGA base who picks their teeth with their toenail clippings, there really might have been a red wave this past November. But instead, they decided to appeal to the mouth walkers and the knuckle breathers and came away largely without the victory they had, the overwhelming landslide victory they hoped they would get. Now, Florida did re-elect Ron Monkey up to Clantis because, and by a wide margin, because... Well, because there are a lot of shitty people in Florida. Just plain shitty people. There's something, and uh, our pal Joy in Ann Arbor was discussing it. She lived in Florida for eight and a half years, and she she was discussing what it is that just makes, and, and Juanita, honey, you know I'm not talking about you or any of the other, our other friends in the Horn Family Community Congregation. Not you either, Scary Jerry. But the heat and the humidity and the bugs and the snakes and the alligators, I guess they just all combine to kind of make people a little crotchety. Kind of the best I've got. Exactly, uh, Stephen, New York, uh, new co- the new college of uh, Florida will now be the Hillsdale of the South. Hillsdale College is, of course, a uh, a, a right-wing incub- incubation cesspit up in Michigan. It's gross. Oh, yeah, you're right, Flavio. Um, Nitwit Nero bragged about rolling back the uh, train regulations in 2017. It came to reality in 2018. It was 8.12 a.m. on the third day of August 2017. Not long after that, his followers would hold the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, Virginia, and murder Heather Heyer, walk around chanting, Jews will not replace us. But on August the 3rd, Nitwit Nero tweeted, I'm continuing to get rid of costly and unnecessary regulations. Much work left to do, but effect will be great. Business and jobs will grow. Headline from Fortune magazine, Trump rolls back train-breaking rule meant to keep oil tankers from exploding near communities. Because as I mentioned in yesterday's program, we had a time there when... uh, Bomb trains were blowing up fairly frequently in the United States. The explosions could be blamed on faulty conservatism. One blew up just down the mountain from me. I remember seeing the smoke bloom. And so the Obama administration took uh, took took action to reduce the risks, and then because a 
president who happened to be black had done that, well, that shit had to be rolled back by the guy who's a soak. You know, son of a Klansman. Oh, well. Soak's gonna soak. And I guess he's just terribly, terribly proud, DeClantis is. Uh, of the of the, the, the racism that he is braying about. Oh, and uh, I did catch my filthy morning habit today. And they weren't... Uh, particularly thrilled with what... folks are saying about Pete Buttigieg. Like I said, it's interesting to watch the evolution of Joe Scarborough from rabid Gingrich Republican to, well, I don't, you know, maybe, maybe Mika has had a positive impact on his life. I don't know. But it is, it's, it's, it's kind of fascinating. We want to get to news here at home. The National Transportation Safety Board says the Ohio train derailment and toxic chemical spill could have been prevented. According to a preliminary report, the crew on board the Norfolk Southern train received an alert about an overheated wheel bearing moments before dozens of cars left the tracks in East Palestine. At that point, the wheel bearing was 235 degrees above the ambient temperature. Investigators say the train had passed two other sensors before and no alarms went off. The preliminary report was released the same day Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg visited East Palestine. It was his first visit since the derailment happened three weeks ago. Buttigieg viewed the wreckage and spoke to the community, pledging the Biden administration's ongoing support. That's why we've been here from the first hours of the incident as an administration. And it's why our interest both in what happened here in East Palestine and in keeping our railroads safe doesn't go away when some other uh, hot news story uh, comes into the headlines. We're going to be here day in, day out, year in, year out, making our railroads safer and making sure Norfolk Southern meets its responsibilities. That is a promise and one I take very, very seriously. Buttigieg also responded to criticism from former President Donald Trump, who had visited East Palestine the previous day. Buttigieg said it was Trump administ- Trump's administration that deregulated railroad safety, including suspending a requirement that trains carrying flammable, flammable liquids be outfitted with faster brakes. 
One thing he could do is uh, uh, express support for reversing the deregulation uh, that uh, happened on his watch. I heard him say he had nothing to do with it, even though it was in his administration. Uh, so if he had nothing to do with it, and uh, they did it in his administration against his will, uh, maybe he could come out and say that, uh, uh, that uh, he supports us moving in a different direction. Uh, we're not afraid to own our policies when it comes to raising the bar on regulation. Well, and, and this is really Samstein. This is a problem for all the Republicans. This is a problem for Donald Trump that are attacking, I say all the Republicans who are attacking Joe Biden's response. They've been pushing dereg one deregulation after another deregulation after another deregulation. Um, and as Pete Buttigieg said, even deregulations that seem to line up that could have prevented this crash possibly. Uh, and so, uh, the transportation secretary uh, did exactly what he should have done. He said, okay, well, so Donald Trump, you're here, and now suddenly you're a born-again believer in regulations? <laughs> okay, help us add regulations to these dangerous uh, these dangerous uh, rail lines to keep the people of, of cities like East Palestine safe. And, of course, neither Trump nor the Republicans will do anything about it because the end of the day, Sam, it's probably all about gestures, isn't it? Yeah, I, I don't want to be overly cynical, but I think you're right. Um, look, we've been looking into this at Politico uh, for weeks now. Uh, one of the patterns we found is that, uh, one, is the railroad industry is a behemoth in Washington. Uh, they've been very good at getting deregulation through during the Trump era. Uh, we were the first to report of those safety deregulations that happened. The other thing that we found was that, you know, this is not the first, sadly, not the first train derailment uh, of this magnitude. It does happen. Happen somewhat regularly. Um, we could not locate an instance. Uh, our reporters could not locate an instance in which there was a public opining for Elaine Chow, former transportation secretary, to go to the scene of a derailment. Which is not to say she shouldn't have. Uh, it's not to say that Pete Buttigieg shouldn't have gone to East Palestine earlier. Probably could have and would have saved himself a lot of political trouble. But what it does say is that there is some opportunism, shockingly, happening in this moment. Uh, the derailment was in a, a section of the country that J.D. Vance himself said was, quote, our people. Uh, what he meant by that was sort of white working class people who felt uh, uh, abandoned uh, because manufacturing jobs had been shipped overseas. Um, you know, obviously Trump ran out there because he sensed a chance to show empathy, but also uh, to stick it to the Biden administration by being there in the flesh when Pete Buttigieg uh, was not there in the flesh and when Joe Biden was overseas in Ukraine. So, yes, there is opportunism happening here. I think that's fair to say. And yes, I think you can overplay your hand. Uh, now, this is where, of course, I think the Democrats suffer a little bit from losing control of one of the branches of Congress, because what they could do theoretically uh, when, when Congress comes back into session, if they had control of the House, is put up a bill that says we want to enhance regulations on the railroad industry, uh, make it more safe, prevent possibly future accidents like what happened in East Palestine right. from happening again. But they can't do that in the House. They could potentially do it in the Senate, but the Senate's more complicated, takes some floor time. And so that's one of the losses you see when you lose control of the House. You're not wrong. But while we're at it, I would just for the purposes of perspective here, I'd like to point out the Lac Megantic rail disaster. A little community that sits close by the border, uh, the Canadian U.S. border right near New York. It was July the 6th, 2013. 
a little past midnight, and a 73-car train operated by the Montreal, Maine, and Atlantic Railway filled to the brim with Bakken sludge blew up. It derailed downtown and kaboom. And 47 people were killed by that rail company. 47 people were killed because the railway left the train unattended on a main line, didn't set handbrakes, and had no backup safety mechanism. And 47 people died as a result. The no handbrakes, the parked unattended on a main rail line, the no safety. Those were those were causes, but so too was the fact that it was it was basically a a giant rolling 73 car long bomb. Jesus, that was but that was 2013. That was 10 years ago. And then, like I said, one blew up down the mountain from me. Another one blew up uh, not far from Aliceville, Alabama. Another one blew up in what, North Dakota. But it's odd to me that you don't hear these things mentioned. Except to say that the Biden administration did move to do something about it. And then Nitwit Nero, in a fit of son of a Klansman racist peak, moved to undo it. Uh, on, uh, in, in regard to Pete Buttigieg, uh, Darlene offers this observation. It has less to do with Pete being gay although they're certainly using it to work maggots into a white, and I do mean white, hot lather, but that's just a means to a certain end. And that is, Republicans are more fe- more fearful that Pete is a serious contender for higher office. You may say that still goes back to Pete being gay, but although that is there, the predominant concern Republicans have, I think, is the fact that Pete is utterly brilliant at calmly calling them out on their shit. He presents precise facts while at the same time humbly inviting them to join Democrats in addressing the very problem he just proved they created in the first place. I mean, Pete's adept at it. He's unflappable, smooth, and brilliant at undressing Republicans' lies and attempts to deny the reality of their culpability. He just did it to McConnell yesterday. Turtleface accused him of going around the country celebrating all the woke infrastructure projects, Pete said, well, that's interesting seeing that Mitch was standing right there at the woke ribbon-cutting ceremony for a new bridge the infrastructure deal brought to Kentucky Stan. That was brilliant. This is the beginning, Darlene says, of Republicans Hillaryizing him. We know Pete's destined to run for president again. He's young, and he's already had a meteoric rise in national politics in a short time. He continues to gain tons more exposure going around the country for all the infrastructure ribbon-cutting ceremonies. He has nothing but time on his hands to wait for the right time to run for the highest office in the land. That's what they're afraid of. 
because with Pete, the Republicans' gig is up. It, by the way, going back to vice mayor of Waynesboro, Virginia, Jim Wood, uh, Arnold in PA said, uh, right-wingers really should study the word train and its multiple mean- meanings in today's fast-paced, driven hellhole of a world. I would not be proud to be a train expert if you know what I mean. I do know what you mean, and we will we'll kind of leave it at that. But uh, they are oblivious to the fact that they are in the hands of the goddess of irony. And I wanted to share something else with you, because I found this to be fascinating. My friend Allie pointed something out earlier today, and this goes hand in hand with Darlene saying the gig is up for the GOP. They know they know that they are a dwindling rump party. And, and and my friend Ali pointed out uh, that in the U.S., one in ten millennials are some portion of the LGBTQIA plus community. For Gen Z and Gen Alpha, one in five. And she observed conservatives lost this war over a decade ago. All the desperate pushback might give them some short-term battle victories, but it's going to make their cultural annihilation that much more certain. That's why the fast and furious insistence upon these hateful bills, over 400 of them in the United States now, and it's still six days until the Alabama legislature meets. There'll probably be 800 by the time those assholes are done. And that's why, you know, forcing uh, horrible people onto the Supreme Court uh, whose tenures are for life became so important in the Nitwit Nero administration. Excuse me. Because the handmaid is practically a baby in, in lawyer years. And b b b b brats not far behind. And old balls and strikes, you know, he was put there as a youngster. And they're there because they can go ahead, they can continue to do Republican damage, even after uh, the 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 um, the millennials and Gen Z and Gen Alpha move into their adult years, or older adult years in the case in the case of millennials but she posted some interesting uh, numbers this is a poll question it's a poll question that was asked 
in Kentucky, Stan? And the answers are surprising. The question itself, would you support or oppose a a proposed Kentucky law that would allow the state to overrule parents' decisions to obtain certain health care for their transgender teenager, such as certain medications that can regulate the onset of puberty? Statewide, support for that position was 21%. Opposition was 71%. 71% of Kentuckians, mind you, said, oh, hell no. And 8% were like, oh, oh, oh. I was trimming my toenails and picking my teeth. I, I, I ain't paid much attention to that. Of those supporting these attacks on kids... Uh, Support for it in the Louisville metro area was 14%, 11% in the Lexington bluegrass area, northern Kentucky 23%, eastern Kentucky, coal country, 30%, and western Kentucky 26%. Those opposed to the idea, again, Louisville metro 80%, Lexington 79%, northern Kentucky 65%, Eastern Kentucky, again, coal country, 64%, and Western Kentucky, 66%. Again, Kentucky. Moscow Mitch's home turf, you know, at least ever since his family slithered out of Colbert County, Alabama. Here's a shocker. 62% of Republicans oppose that bill. 67% of independents do. 83% of Democrats. Here's the age breakout. Under 50, only 18% support it. Under 50, 75% oppose it. 50 plus, hi y'all, 24% support it, but 67% oppose it. Of Kentuckians. I, I know I'm leaning into that really hard, but I need for that to be... It, it, it gobsmacked me when I saw it earlier today. And the numbers are probably similar in Virginia. They might even be similar here in almost level west by Cole Manchinistan. We have to ride this shit out and stay safe. To the best of our abilities. And by ours, I don't mean just the LGBTQIA plus community. I mean all of us on the decent side of the liberal versus uh, versus conservative, progressive versus conservative, decent people versus fascism divide. Because this is exhausting for us all. Because these Republicans don't just despise people like me or people under the larger LGBTQIA plus umbrella, they despise everyone who does not engage in their toxic hive thinking. And I've got another example of that that I thought you might find interesting. This actually came in yesterday uh, in celebration of the fact that the Senate of the state of West Virginia... Uh, trashed its own rules 
to run that uh, that license to discriminate RUFRA bill uh, through the Senate. And it's waiting for the signature of make West Virginia great big old governor Jim Justice. In no way, shape, form, or fashion do I want uh, our Bible thumpers and snake handlers and floor rollers and tongue speakers to have to bake wedding cakes for the queers. So the chairwoman of the West Virginia GQP... Some freak named L. Jean McArdle. Huh, L. Jean? Uh, issued a, a, a uh, spike the ball end zone victory dance statement about the passage of the RIFRA. And in it, well, uh, she uh, included this language. I share the concerns of tens of millions of fellow Christian conservatives around the country who are worried about the aggressive stance that the Biden administration has taken against men and women of faith. The secular left has weaponized the government against men and women of faith all over the country, whether it is forcing them to bake cakes for weddings which they do not want to participate. They need a copy editor at the GQP. Or for prosecuting Catholics who pray outside of abortion clinics. (sighs) Um. The, 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 the Catholic praying outside the abortion clinic was a story that happened in the UK, L. Jean. You silly twit. But did you notice the language there? Because it came in twice in two sentences. I'll, I'll, I'll help you to it. Conservatives, Christian conservatives around the country who are worried about the aggressive stance that the Biden administration has taken against men and women of faith. The secular left has weaponized the government against men and women of faith all over the country. Those are the, it's the same sentence, just slightly rearranged, to say, but to work in there the phrase, men and women of faith. See, the dogma has gotten so weird and thick in the GQP now that they can't say people. Yeah, I'm so old, I can remember just a scant couple or three or four or ten years ago when the standard phrase among these Uh, God-botherers and Bible-humpers and floor-rollers and strict-nine-drinkers and snake-handlers was people of faith. In fact, we have a Supreme Court justice, the handmaid, uh, who got onto the court 
even though she's a member of a cult called People of Praise. That's the organization in which she received the official designation of Handmaid. Okay? Handmaid. But now, where we are, Republicans are no longer allowed to say people. They have to say men and women of faith, because there's only men and women. I saw that when I read that press release, and it was like, we're really down the rabbit hole now. I mean, the, the old, the old Latin phrase, "wokes populi." Wokes. Don't worry, it's spelled V-O-X. Wokes populi, the voice of the people. I guess would now have to be translated as uh, "wokes." Homini, hom, hom, homo hominis, homines, wokes hominis et feminae, feminarum, the voice of men and women. <sighs> they're they're rapidly approaching. The level of Mao's little red book or, 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 or downright Stalinist language. It'd be funny if it wasn't. We gotta ride this shit out somehow or another. For the people who are in red states who have had democracy gerrymandered away from them. Liberals and progressives. Every day it brings its own difficulty. And Theo yesterday in, in our brief conversation referenced the fact that you know, out in Oregon, the perception that these are liberal states is driven by places like Salem and Eugene and Portland, of course. but that there are enclaves of considerable uh, right-wing-ism, Trumpism, when you get right down to it. And the price of liberty is eternal vigilance in every one of these places, no matter how blue it looks. So wherever we are, We take a program like this. We pick up information from it. And then we figure out a way to act locally. By the way, we're, at the, we're past the top of the hour now. Filter Robster's for the hour. We've got a hundred bucks to raise to begin the month of March on good footing. 
100 bucks. So far, we're at zero. That's okay. It's all right. And please remember, like and subscribe. It helps out a lot, especially if you leave a comment. Most helpful. Yeah, Flavio says, uh, Florida is disgusting. I was in Miami in 1999 on business. I disliked that place so. It reminded me of a third world country, you know, one of those shithole countries Nitwit Nero liked to talk about. The islands between boulevards were overgrown. There were stray dogs everywhere and trash everywhere, not to mention people were rude as fuck. Well, I'll bet you Scary Jerry could point you towards some friendlier parts of town. But I... God, I can't help it. I love the warmth. I love the sun. I love... Well, I especially love the Gulf side. All the way up to L.A., lower Alabama. But I get it, Flavio. As to train re-regulation, Stephen New York says, if Trump was able to roll back that regulation unilaterally, why couldn't Biden reinstate it unilaterally? Well, he can, but they are, but the, the creation of a regulation is a much more time-consuming process than simply killing regulations with the stroke of a pen. I remember that when uh, I remember when the uh, Bush administration, you know, dim leader, wiped out the stream buffer zone rule here in Appalachia, which allowed coal companies to then begin burying what wound up being and continues to be some 2,000 miles of streams burying them with the detritus from mountaintop removal operations. And then in turn, when the Obama administration came back into power, or came into power, there was a desperate cry to please, please, please fix the stream buffer zone rule. And they did begin the process. And it takes years. In some instances, it can take as much. It can take uh, the. It can it can take an entire presidential administration to get it done. Vandalism is easy. Construction is difficult and time-consuming. Meanwhile, uh, Flavio, subject line, Lindsey Graham, it's time. I know you're against involuntarily outing people, but I think we should make an exception for Lindsey Graham. He's such a hateful little troll. Did you see his performance today? Graham asked Garland, are you concerned that if a biological male is sent to a female prison, there could be a risk for female prisoners? Ah, oh, yeah. Of course, Merrick Garland responded, Everyone in, every person in prison has to be dealt with with dignity and respect. 
I don't know that that's necessarily, that may be the theory. I don't know how it goes in practice. Yeah, the hearing with uh, Merrick Garland was uh, contentious, to say the least. Got to the point where Rafaelito Eduardo Cruz, the anointed booger eating future king of America, started shouting. at the Attorney General of the United States. It was... Well, it was ugly. Raffaellito was all burned up about poor little... poor little... Brat Kavanaugh. And Raffaelito, who made life so miserable for his daughter that she wanted to commit suicide, let's remember that, and he's a Christian, y'all. It didn't come off well, screaming at the Attorney General, who meanwhile patiently and unflappably refuted his bullshit. I've ever seen in this country. And it has done a discredit to the Department of Justice, to the FBI, and to the administration of law in this country. Let me start with a simple question. General Garland, is it a federal crime to protest outside of a judge's home with the intent of influencing that judge as to a pending case? Uh, the answer to that is yes, but I also want to at least respond to your characterization of the department, which sure. I vigorously disagree with. I believe the men and women of the department pursue their work every single day in a nonpartisan and an appropriate General way. General Garland, there are thousands of men and women who do that. And I'll tell you, I hear from prosecutors at the Department of Justice. I hear from agents at the FBI who are. He's lying. Remember, just just to be he's lying. Uh, this is like, uh, oh, over on the House side, Jim Jacketoff Jordan is saying, I have here 152 uh, Department of Justice employees who uh, who know. And then when you ask him to, because he's been asked in open hearings by folks like uh, Dan Goldman. Okay, well, produce him. Oh, I think the dog ate my list. Angry that it is treated as the enforcement arm for the DNC instead of upholding the law in a fair and even-handed manner. So you are right. There are thousands of men and women that are, that are doing the job, but it is the political leadership that you're responsible for. So you just said, yes, it's a crime to protest at the home of a judge. Same goes for jurors, by the way. Hold with on. With the intent of in influencing a case. There's the rub. It's illegal to protest at the home of a, job, of a judge with intent to influence the outcome of a case. If you can't prove the in, uh, attempt to influence, it's not a crime. 
It is not a crime to stand outside Brat Kavanaugh's fucking home that some fucking billionaire fucking paid for with dark fucking money. Sorry, that's a lot of F-bombs, but, well, it's not illegal to stand out there and protest all of those things. It's not illegal to stand out outside of Brat Kavanaugh's home and say with a sign that says, Brat Kavanaugh raped a teenager, or tried to. That's not illegal, because you're not trying to influence his determination of a given case. But, of course, facts like that don't matter to a guy who's such a horrible parent, he would drive his own daughter to attempt suicide. But in the wake of the leak of the Dobbs decision... When rioters descended at the homes of six Supreme Court justices. Notice how they've become rioters almost magically. Night after night after night, you did nothing. The department did nothing. Because there was no crime, dipshit. God, he's so, oh, he's so, so taken with himself. He still wants to be president. He isn't going to be. What did uh, what did Al Franken say? Someone could murder Ted Cruz in the well of the Senate in front of the entire Senate, and you wouldn't be able to find you wouldn't be able to find anyone to testify that they saw what happened. Nobody likes him. Even his own family. When extremist groups like Ruth Senos and Jane's Revenge openly organized campaigns of harassment at the homes of justices, you sat on your hands. When- Ooh, he has a picture of some people not being violent, just standing around and carrying some signs. Maybe saying... Brett Kavanaugh tried to rape a teenage girl. Who knows? And these same groups posted online information about where the justices worship or their home addresses or where their kids went to school. You again sat on your hands and did nothing. Your failure to act to protect the safety of the justices and their families was an obvious product of political bias. You agree with Roe versus Wade, you disagree with the Dobbs decision. And the Department of Justice under this president was perfectly happy to refuse to enforce the law and allow threats of violence. And as you know, those threats finally materialized. Bruga, 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 warble, whoosh, narf. Hobbinson, gahat, hobbin, gavortenzine. Yes, Randy Radar, you're right. He is. He is slimy. Yuck. Gross. With Nicholas Roski, a 26-year-old man from California who traveled across the country, was arrested outside the home of Justice Kavanaugh, armed with a handgun, a knife, and burglary tools. Yes, and why was he arrested outside the home of Brat Kavanaugh, that delicate little snowflake? Why? I guess nobody told Rafi Alito. 
he called the cops and said, I'm having bad thoughts and I don't want to do this. He turned himself in. You know, unlike the uh, little shitbirds who shoot up schools and nightclubs and movie theaters and July 4th parades and like. And he said he came there to kill Justice Kavanaugh because he was enraged by the leaked opinion. Now, of course, you're prosecuting that individual for attempted murder. But did you bring even a single case to enforce this law or did the Department of Justice decide this law doesn't apply if it's harassing justices for an opinion we don't like? Well, he's beating the shit out of that straw man, isn't he? I can see I can I can see the DOJ deciding not to protest peace not to not to prosecute peaceful protesters. Not a great look. Of course, I guess Raffaellito being all butch and everything, can you know, he grow a beard and everything. It, 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 you know, he, he's rough and tough and trying to look a little more Texan these days. Yeah, I guess he'd just like to move in with the machine guns. Which, by the way, I'm sure the Trump administration would have done if the people who attacked the Capitol on January 6, 2021, had actually been Black Lives Matter and or uh, anti-fash activists. Especially if it had been Black Lives Matter. Fascism is such a monumentally ugly thing. When the Dobbs uh, draft was leaked, I did something no attorney general in the history of the department had ever done before. For the first time in history, I ordered United States Marshals 24-7 to defend every uh, residence of every justice. Well, Garland, as a judge, you're familiar with asking counsel I'm to answer an- a question. I am answering. Has the Department of Justice enforced this statute? Have you brought a single case against any of these protesters threatening the judgment justices under 18 U.S.C. Section 1507. You brought even one. Senator, you asked me whether I sat on my hands, and quite the opposite. I sent okay, 70 United States Marshals. Let me try again. To def- and let me- you, has the Department of Justice brought even a single case under this statute? It's a yes-no question. It's not a give a speech on the other things you did. The job of the United States Marshals is to defend the lives so of the... So the answer ju- is no. De- no, the answer isn't no, dipshit. Defend the lives of the justices, and that's their number one priority. They have. Why are you unwilling to say no? The answer is no. You know it's no. I know it's no. Everyone in this in this hearing room knows it's no. Except for the fact that the way he's phrased the question, the answer isn't no. Because the people outside these these residents, the, the protesting outside these residences, were not within the purview of the federal criminal statute. They were not attempting to influence a future decision by brat. And it is so noxious that we we do this thing where we insulate these delicate and dainty little solons from having to deal with the real-world consequences of the harm they do to people. 
It's pathetic. It's undemocratic. It's anti-American. If you want to shit on half the population, you'd better, by God, be ready to deal with the consequences thereof. God Almighty, Abraham Lincoln once said that he wanted to uh, slap uh, Justice Taney in irons for what he did to the country. Jeremy asks, why can't the PETA version of Ron Paul's neighbor move in next to Ted Cruz? You know he's an asshole and an animal abuser. See the deep freeze when he fled Texas when his constituents sat and froze along with their family dog and she called on it, uh, blamed his children like the fucking pathetic coward he's always been. And by the way, uh, from the Department of Corrections, uh, editorial corrections, that is, Steve in New York writes, Al Franken said, I like Ted Cruz more than most of my other colleagues like Ted Cruz. And I hate Ted Cruz. Uh, but then uh, Miss Lindsay said, If you killed Ted Cruz on the floor of the Senate and the trial was in the Senate, nobody would convict you. He said, joking. Only wasn't that much of a joke. I, and before we go back to this clip, I want to I address what Flavio said earlier about outing uh, Miss Lindsay. Well, the thing about outing Miss Lindsay is you need somebody who has definitive proof of what Miss Lindsay's been up to. That means you got to find a little, little rent boy or a beefy rent stud who will say, yeah, that's what happened. And given how hateful he has been, for instance, about marriage equality, it's past time. And there would be no... Uh, there, 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 there would be nothing wrong whatsoever, it, I don't think, with outing him involuntarily. It would not be about his sexuality. It would be about his hypocrisy and his most basic cruelty. But I do want to point one thing out. We're making an assumption here about uh, Lady G's sexuality. And we're making that assumption based on the binary. Uh, asexuality is a thing, too. Maybe, maybe Lady G's ace. But for every one of the, uh, every one of the, and they're there. Uh, for every Republican, like for instance, in the West Virginia State Legislature's uh, Republican majority, for every one of those Republicans who have ever had a man in their mouth, outing is more than appropriate. And, well, one of them is an open secret. 
it needs to stop being it needs to it needs to stop being a secret and it needs to be well and openly known but that particular individual is somewhat protected by virtue of his family and then again there's a, like I said every chance in the world that that Republican majority has uh, some uh, gender creative people in it. Yeah. And the minute they start doing hateful things to a community which they are inherently a part of, time's up. You're not willing to answer a question. Have you brought a case under this statute? Yes or no? As far as I know, we haven't. And what we have done is defended to the lies of the justices with so how 70 decide, U.S. Marshals. How do you decide which criminal statutes the, the DOJ enforces and which one it doesn't? The United States Marshals know that they have full okay, you, I recognize you want to give a separate speech. No, I don't want how to How do you decide which statutes you enforce and which ones you don't? The Marshals on scene make that determination in light of the priority of defense. The Marshals do not make a determination over whether to prosecute you, the Attorney General, make a determination, and you spent 20 years as a judge, and you're... Such pathetic grandstanding. If the Attorney General of the United States, and, and attorney, uh, to be fair, historically, Attorney Generals of the Uni Attorneys General of the United States have done this. They have told DOJ employees to go out and prosecute specific groups of people. They've done that. I don't know if Scott's listening this evening, but if he is, he's probably sitting there at Shea Guru yelling, John Mitchell! John Mitchell, damn it! John Mitchell! <sighs> yeah. That's called selective prosecution, targeted prosecution. It's unethical as hell. It's one thing for a, a, an attorney general to say, we're going to get tough on fill-in-the-blank topic A. It's entirely another thing for uh, the attorney general to direct law enforcement, who are the people who do the arresting, and hopefully not the maiming and the killing, to specifically target individuals. And Rafaelito Eduardo Cruz, the anointed booger-eating future king of America, knows that. But the other thing that he knows is that the, the horrible people, the rubes who vote for him, don't. And he is not going to smarten up the chumps. Because that much he is aware of. Stephen New York says, I've said it many, many, many times before. One word describes Senator Booger Eater. Backpfeifengeschicht. Backpfeifengeschicht. Rumor has it that that is a German word for face in need of slapping. He knows what he's doing. 
and he's probably grossly proud of the dishonesty in which he is engaging. So gross. You're perfectly content with justices being afraid for their children's lives. Um, counsel, objection. Counsel assumes facts not in evidence. But then we know that delicate snowflakes like brat. Well, he 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 gets fearful. He gets fearful about a lot of things. Like maybe somebody finding out who paid for his house and his beer debt at the ballpark. And you did nothing to prosecute it. Let's shift that, to another is, area. Can I answer the question? You, no, the, you the cannot. General, you have refused to answer the I question. I am answering your question. The how Attorney you General choose, does not decide whether to arrest. How did you choose not to, not to enforce this statute? The marshals on scene. Marshals don't make that decision. They do make the decision of whether to make to an arrest. prosecute someone? No, they don't. If they make a, uh, if they make Marshals a, do not if, have prosecution. If they make an arrest, See, he's losing. Let's, let's to the change marshals. topics because our, our t- Yeah, he wants to change topics because he's fucking losing. Marshals do make the choice of who to arrest. And the question Raffaellito will not ask is how many arrests by marshals of protesters outside justices' homes have been brought to you? Because then it does become a legitimate question as to the, the decision to prosecute or not to prosecute. But he knows the answer. And because he thinks he's a highfalutin trial lawyer, hint, He's not. He knows that under cross-examination, which he is treating this like, asking leading questions and the like, he knows that most fundamental rule of cross-examination, never ask a question to which you do not already know the answer. How many arrests have the marshals made? None. How many cases have they brought to, to you of peaceful protesters? None. How many cases have they brought to you of people who had intent to do criminal harm? One. What are you doing? Prosecuting it. Under attempted murder, no less. Even, the guy, even though the guy didn't attempt to do, to do anything. He got to the he, he, he got to the sticking point and could not screw his courage thereunto and gave himself up. By the way, if I recall the reporting correctly, he was not even in 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 sight of Brat's home. He was just in the neighborhood. And he will do hard federal time for that. A lot harder than the people, the terrorists, the right-wing terrorists, the Ted Cruz kind of people who attacked the capital of the United States on January the 6th, 2021. Now that is some questioning I would like to have seen put to Merrick Garland. Why is it that the worst you can get 
for a terrorist attack on the capital of the United States is a slap on the wrist. Why is it that you, Attorney General Garland, and the DOJ are not referring to what happened on January 6th as an act of domestic terrorism and using the terrorism statutes to prosecute people? Why not? I'd love to hear that line of questioning. Time is limited. We've also seen across the country violent attacks at crisis pregnancy centers by similar left-wing terrorist groups, including one... Spray painting. Violent left-wing groups! By the way, uh, from the uh, uh, Brat Kavanaugh neighborhood department, Jeremy says the guy who turned himself in was two blocks away. Brat never knew he was there until he was in cuffs being driven away, if not booked into a cell. Exactly. Crisis pregnancy centers. Remember, these are phony baloney non-medical institutions that are actually fraud shops to try to trick pregnant women into waiting too long and being forced to have a baby they did not in the first place feel they were capable of taking care of. But Raffaellito's a liar because he's a Christian. And so I guess it's okay. One, one graffiti of a, of a firebomb building said Jane was here. There have been attacks all over the country. Name them. And yet, the Department of Justice has not brought these violent criminals to justice. You contrast that. Violent criminals. Spray painting in the first degree. Jane was here. Golly, that sure does sound frightening. Oh, sweet fake baby Jesus. Please don't let the spray painters come back. We're about to wet our Christian drawers just to thinking about it, Jesus. If you're a violent criminal and you attack a crisis pregnancy center, that is not a priority in the Biden Department of Justice. Contrast that to Mark Houck, who's a pro-life activist. He's a sidewalk counselor. And he had an altercation with someone who allegedly... Now he's moved into defense counsel mode, trying to paint this guy as some sort of poor, persecuted Christian being persecuted by Merrick Garland for the sake of the dear Lord Jebus. Inter- interfered with his son's personal space and threatened his son, and he pushed him. Now, in an ordinary world, pushing someone would be maybe a sim- simple misdemeanor assault, but not under the Biden Department of Justice. If you're a pro-life actor... No, dipshit, that's not assault. Somebody needs to go back and take their barbary again. That's battery, pushing somebody. An insulting or provoking touching, or an unconsented to touching of an insulting or provoking nature? Yeah, that's battery, dipshit. Activist, what can you expect? Well, in this instance, 
according to Mr. Houck's wife, two dozen agents clad in body armor and ballistic helmets and shields and a battering ram showed up at his house pointing rifles at his family. Why do you send two dozen agents in body armor to arrest a sidewalk counselor who happens to be pro-life? But sidewalk counselor. Uh, that's that, that that's that's Orwellian MAGA speak for uh, uh, harasser, counselor. Counselor, and, and why do you why do you send agents with body armor and helmets? Ah, maybe because the counselor isn't really a counselor. Maybe because he's a known and notorious harasser of innocent individuals on the street. You know, you don't have to be screaming to harass somebody. Or maybe because he's an obvious right-winger, and right-wingers tend to have guns coming out the gazoo. And they have a nasty habit of squeezing off a round or two at cops once in a while before they get arrested and taken to Burger King. But you don't devote resources to count pe to, to prosecute people who are violently firebombing crisis pregnancy. It centers. is a priority of the department to prosecute and investigate and find the people who are doing those firebombings. They are doing it at night and in secret. So, and we have found two, we have found one group which we did prosecute. You we found are, one. How many have there been? How many attacks? There have been a lot. And if you have any information specifically as to who those people are, we would be glad. We would be glad to have that. Authorized. It was the Black Lives Matter. It was the Antifa. Went 20 agents going to Mr. Houck's house, and he uh, offered to turn himself in through counsel, but you didn't want that. The Department of Justice wanted to make a show of it. Did you personally authorize it, and do you want to apologize to Mr. Mrs. Houck and her seven children for being terrorized? The decisions about how to do... Her seven children, that poor woman. Mm. Honey, it's not a clown car that are made at the level of the uh, FBI agents on scene. Did and you know about it? I did not know about it until uh, the way you're describing it, and my understanding is the FBI disagrees with that description. Was it a Senator's mistake? Senator's time has expired. I'm going to allow the witness to respond to any of the questions that were asked. Was it a mistake? I'm going to chair the committee, Senator. I'm sorry you're not. I'm you said you'd allow him to respond. I've repeated the question I asked, which is, was it a mistake to send you, 20 agents to arrest him at the crack of dawn? You had your time and you, more You just than said any... you're going to allow him to respond. You just said, I'm going to allow him to respond to the question. So I repeated the question. Was it Any a question. You that was the, the pending question. You want question. to ask, I'll ask the questions I want. That's the question I had already asked. Well. You just said you'd let him respond. I'm going to let him respond right Good. now. Please don't interrupt him. Thank you. The decisions about how to do tactical arrests are made by the FBI agents in the field. Uh, the FBI has uh, publicly stated that it disagrees with the description you gave of what happened in that example. In other words, he's a liar. Uh, that's the best I can answer. And he did not like the answer that he got. This was a nasty hearing. 
So after Raffaellito comes along, well, Josh Hall and Ass of Missouri Stan. Uh, came along. It, it was his turn. That that noble pleader. And Raffaellito had also gone down the conspiracy path by talking about uh, leaks designed to politically damage Donald Trump because he had to, it, 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 with part of his time, Raffaellito had to get down on his knees and kiss the orange toe of his god emperor. But Josh Hollenass is not the sharpest knife in the drawer, even though he managed to get into some pretty highfalutin schools. That says more about the standard, the poor standards of the schools than it does about the brilliance of Josh Hollenass. And Josh Hollenass, without meaning to, Cut the legs right out from under Raffaellito. Cruz. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. General Garland, the Department of Justice should enforce the law regardless of politics. I do not believe that has been what is happening in the last two years. Among other things, I believe you very much want to indict Donald J. Trump. Toward that end, the Department of Justice has leaked that DOJ is investigating and intends to indict Hunter Biden. With the purpose of those leaks, I believe, was to set the predicate for an indictment of Trump. Um, so they're going to indict Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden, the Benghazi overtime. They're going to indict Hunter Biden to set the stage to indict a former president of the United States? You wet, Edith, huh? Somebody's somebody's been into the flavor aid. To say, look how even-handed we are. We're indicting a Biden, we're indicting a Trump. Yeah, because that's how that works. Those leaks are not law. No, no, no. If it was if it was even-handed, it would be we're indicting one former president, uh, so we're going to indict another former president. You know, we're going to indict dying Jimmy Carter so we can indict... The mango Mussolini. All these people. I use the term people loosely. Or enforcing the law, they are politics. Did did you know about the leaks about the Hunter Biden investigation? I I don't know about the leak that you're talking about. Um, And um, I'm not. Uh, leaks are in violation of our our regulations and our requirements. So uh, the answer is... The leaks are consistently on one side of the aisle advancing one political agenda. Um, Should maybe somebody explain aisle and agenda to Raffaellito here? Leaking that you're going to indict Hunter Biden 
doesn't advance the political agenda of the father of the said Hunter Biden, who happens to be the president of the United States. In fact, it makes the people who hop up and down and bark and bray and bawl and grunt about Hunter Biden very, very happy. There's an old rule out there. Making weak ar- making weak arguments make strong arguments weaker. Strong arguments never make weak arguments stronger. Maybe Ted missed that one at Harvard. As you know, the FBI raided Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago home. And subsequent to that raid, there have been multiple leaks about what was discovered there, including a photograph of documents that were discovered there. Did, did you know about the leaks the from photo- that raid? The photograph was a filing in court in response to a motion filed by Mr. Trump. It was not a leak. So, so you're testifying there haven't been leaks about the, the Trump raid investigation? I'm, I'm responding to the point about the Do you fault? know about the leaks that have occurred concerning Trump? I've read Trump. the leaks. They are inappropriate. We also don't know where they come from. Uh, witnesses on the... Um, but what's uh, interesting is when the shoe was on the other foot, I believe your intention, and I believe it's a political intention to indict President Trump, became infinitely harder when classified documents were discovered repeatedly at President Biden's multiple residences. Uh, According to the public record, those were first discovered on November 2nd, six days before the... Ah, look, he's actually echoing something that we've said here in the past, that there was something smelly about all the classified documents at Biden's home and Pence's home. and Yeah. Prior election department of justice was notified on november 4th and yet miraculously there was no leak about the classified documents at president biden's home when it politically benefited the effort to go after and charge donald trump doj leaked when it really somebody needs to get this guy with a thorazine dart because his psychosis is well to this uh, layperson, see, I'm a liberal. I can still say people in person. To this layperson, uh, Raffaelito seems entirely disconnected, or as Eric Swalwell said yesterday, a marginal trailer queen, divorced uh, from reality. Potentially harmed the Democrat president, DOJ did not leak. Does that strike you as, as at all a double, double standard? Leaks under all circumstances are inappropriate, and they were not directed by anyone in the Justice Department. Let me say in particular on Hunter Biden, I very much hope that an investigation of Hunter Biden is focused not just on his own personal substance abuse issues, but on connections to his father and potential corruption. That is the matter of public concern and why people are concerned. It was striking that the leak that came out from DOJ suggested this is just going... Yeah, you know, there needs to be a qualifier on that. I'm sorry. I can't get through these clips with it. Uh, why there is a concern on the part of people who... No. Why there is a concern on the part of people who watch Fox News, Onan that spills its news upon the ground, and Newsmuck. That's where the concerns of the people are. 
going after some poor poor person struggling with drugs instead of looking at the very real evidence of corruption will you commit that the investigation will actually examine the public corruption aspect and not simply scapegoat Hunter Biden as an individual I can't comment about the investigation other than to say that all the matters involving Mr. Hunter Biden are in the purview of the U.S. attorney in Delaware. It's not restricted in his investigation in any way. Well, you don't come in here, but then you leak at the same time. Senator Hawley. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, Attorney General Garland, you said in our last exchange that it's your practice to defer to FBI. Here comes the stupid train. Agents in the field. When it comes to investigations, apprehensions of subjects, um, I was interested, given your answer, to read in this morning's Washington Post that the FBI is saying that you overruled them when it came to raiding ex-President Trump's personal residence. Washington Post reports this morning showdown before the raid <clears throat> that senior FBI officials who would be in charge of leading the search resisted doing so as too combative and proposed and said to seek Trump's permission to search his property. These field agents wanted to shutter. Curiously, that had been going on for months on end. Months. Maybe more than 12. Please comply with the subpoena. Please comply with the request. Will you please? To the point that Nitwit Nero hired some shitty pettifogger and connived her into signing off and saying that, yes, they had delivered everything and there was not a scrap of anything left at, uh, at Magaloco uh, that was classified or otherwise, and, they, and, and that the, the search warrant had been, or the uh, subpoena had been complied with in its entirety. And the lawyer, the pettifogger signing off on that, probably knew it wasn't true. And now we know for sure it wasn't true because that's why they had to go and get a search warrant and constantly referring to it as a raid. It wasn't a raid. It was rather, it was actually rather a gently, uh, a gently served search warrant. The criminal investigation altogether in early June, the Post reports, but they were overruled by Maine DOJ. So I guess in light of your earlier testimony just this morning, my question is, how often do you overrule FBI field agents for political purposes? I've skimmed that article. It is not. That's not an accurate reflection of what the article says, and I'm not able to comment Lying. on the investigation. Um, my comment earlier was about tactics uh, on the ground in particular wait, cases. Wait, 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 wait. You said it's not. An, I'm, I'm reading to you from the article. Quote. Senior FBI officials who would be in charge of leading the search resisted the plan as too combative and proposed instead to seek Trump's permission to seek his property, according to four people who spoke on condition of anonymity to describe a sensitive investigation, end quote. Again, I have to say I'm not able to uh, uh, describe the investigation. I will say as a 
general ma matter and at a high level of, uh, of generality that in my experience, long experience as a prosecutor, there is often a robust discussion and in the end, and it's encouraged among investigators and prosecutors. Attorney General, my time is very, made. My, yes, and you made the decision. I did, that's right. Not, you said you did. No, I'm sorry. What I said was I approved the decision. So you didn't make the decision I to rape? I approve the decision to seek a search warrant after probable cause was overruling filed. the FBI agents who did not want to do so. Did you talk about this with the, the White House? The beforehand? memorandum does not uh, that, that um, uh, Washington Post article does not say what you're saying. I'm sorry, and I'm not able to describe this uh, in any further. Well, I, th I think given that, Mr. Chairman, I'll just ask that this entire article be entered into the record. Without objection. And we can read for ourselves. I invite people to go and look. It says exactly that FBI. Well, at least it's not from the Global Times of China. Field agents did not want to conduct the raid, and they were overruled by DOJ. So it doesn't seem to me, Attorney General, that the FBI has a lot of confidence in you, because what they're doing clearly is trying to distance themselves from your decisions. They're out there leaking left, right, and center and saying, it wasn't us. We didn't want to do it. He made us do it. What's that say about their confidence in your leadership? No, the previous senator said that they're leaking all in favor of the left. Now you're saying they're leaking all in favor of I'm the asking right. you I my don't... question. Answer my question. Ah! <laughs> yeah. Make your mind up, such as it is. Question based on this evidence. Don't dissemble, Attorney Time General. Time has expired. Answer my question. Time has expired. Senator Cotton. At which point Josh Hall and asked, it makes a mm, pouty face and 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 holds out his palms, uh, hands, palms upward. Huh? What? Time? What is time? Time is a merely human construct. And, but it wasn't all right wing madness. There was plenty of it. But uh, eventually, Cory Booker of New Jersey got a chance to ask a couple of questions. Um, fentanyl is permanently scheduled, uh, scheduled at Schedule 2, correct? Yes, uh, the discussion is about fentanyl analogs. So let's go to fentanyl analogs. Fentanyl analogs are scheduled now at Schedule 1. They are not expiring this year. Fentanyl analogs are Schedule 2, the expiration date for which is at the end of 2024, correct? Uh, it might be the fiscal year. I'm not sure exactly. But it's, in the year it's not 2023. It's at the end of the year, 2024. Yeah, I'm, Fiscal I'm, or not? I'm not exactly sure of, of the time. I know that there's short time on this, and we believe it should be uh, re-upped. Okay. Um, I want to jump into the executive order from uh, uh, President Biden on policing. It took really important steps uh, to ensure that federal law enforcement agencies are engaging the best practices to make themselves 
and the public safer. Some of these policies the department has adopted and is making great progress on, including limitations on chokeholds, guidelines for no-knock warrants, which is a extraordinarily dangerous uh, for police officers themselves, um, and a cleaner standard for the use of deadly force. Uh, even the Trump EO, EO, though, included the need uh, for us to have a database that is, uh, uh, I guess, called an accountability database to serve as a repository for officer misconduct records within the next eight months, uh, which is now this past January. Trump's executive order, which was issued in June of 2020, also directed the Eternal Attorney General to create such a database to collect this information. What's the status now on that? Yeah, there's a working group run by the Deputy Attorney General to stand this up. Um, as you can imagine, there are difficulties with respect to getting reporting and uh, also difficulties with respect to defining what a determination has been made. Uh, but we are seized with this, and uh, we are full, working full speed ahead to get this done. I'm grateful and, and hope we can continue to communicate on that. It's, it's invaluable. And uh, the EO directed you to encourage state and local agencies to contribute to the database. How's that going? Yeah, um, it, it, we, are, we have made outreach to all the major uh, law enforcement organizations who support this proposition. We are making outreach to state and local law enforcement. We are making progress. Uh, I, I can't really say more than that at this point, not because I don't want to say, but because I don't know. Okay. Uh, the Biden administration, uh, in cooperation with the Congress, acting in a bipartisan manner, has put significant amounts of money uh, into the COPS uh, grant program. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I think under the last Congress, it was one of the higher, highest rating, highest amounts of money given to programs that help local police departments. Really proud uh, that President Biden did that. I I'm just curious what processes are in place to ensure that the funded funds are being used uh, for intended purposes. Does the department audit those grants? Yeah, uh, whenever a government agency gives out grants, there's always a risk, uh, and so we have pretty tight, very tight uh, auditing and uh, review uh, processes for these grants. And, and do you have the resources you need to adequately audit the grants in your uh, estimation, or is that something that might uh, Congress might act to give you the more resources. Uh, I'm going to say again to you what I've said before. Whenever anybody wants to offer me more resources, I'm happy to have them. Um, but I think we're uh, we're capable of doing what uh, the Congress wanted us to do with the resources we have right now. I, I, I appreciate that uh, wise response. Um, in December of 2021, you said the department would exercise its discretion to ensure that people released on home confinement under the CARES Act would not uh, unnecessarily return to prison. My, my experience, I've been visiting prisons since I was uh, a law student, and I usually go in and ask wardens who are often tough men and women who really are about the protection of their officers, the community uh, at large, and I always ask, are there people here that are a waste of taxpayer money? And they will often tell me stories about elderly folks, uh, infirmed folks. Um, uh, but here now we had a, a pandemic, as you know, and there was a release program with really high standards to meet for anyone uh, being released. And I appreciated your comments on this matter in the past. I just want to ask, can you confirm that the department will not revoke individuals released under the CARES Act uh, for minor violations? We always know there's so-called status violations where somebody might uh, cross a county line or do something that is a technical violation, which is often minor. They're not a threat to public um, uh, safety. 
Uh, can you uh, confirm again that the department will not revoke individuals that are released under the CARES Act for these so-called status violations once the public health emergency expires? Yeah, so um, uh, just to give the full context, um, the, the CARES Act allowed us to put people in home confinement who we ordinarily would not have been able to do because of the length of time remaining on their sentence. Um, the, a question was raised whether that uh, whether those people would have to go back um, after uh, the expiration, which is now going to be in, in May, I believe. Um, um, the Office of Legal Counsel um, interpreting the statute uh, found that they would not have to go back, uh, that all that was necessary was that the Attorney General put them into um, uh, home confinement. When I say the Attorney General, I mean the Justice Department and the Bureau of Prisons, um, and that they could remain subject to what the normal rules are on having to go back. So if somebody uh, uh, commits the kind of violations that would normally require somebody to go back uh, to prison from home confinement, uh, those would apply, but no special rules uh, to people who came under the uh, CARES Act. And let me also say in support of what you said, there has now uh, been a, a enough time to have statistical data on recidivism as found uh, that uh, the people out on the CARES Act, uh, the, the number of, uh, of uh, serious crimes committed is uh, extremely tiny and, uh, um, um, and not of, uh, of concern. All right. On July 16th, my last question, uh, my penultimate question. On July 16th, uh, 2022, you said that the Justice Department is examining marijuana policy and will be addressing the issue in the days ahead. And in October of 2022, President Biden urged an expeditious review of the schedule of cannabis and directed individuals uh, federally incarcerated for cannabis possession be expunged. Um, what is the current state of the review of cannabis at the Justice Department, and when can we expect uh, policy changes on this important issue? See, that, that's, a, that's a valid question. It's kind of an important question, as opposed to the paranoid ravings of Raffaellito and Josh Hall and Ass, which was little more than political grandstanding for the rubes back home. I think every, everything that you said is correct. The uh, uh, president commuted sentences, um, um, and the well, this is still working its way through the system to get the final certificates of commutation, but that, that, that is uh, accomplished. Um, the HHS is uh, working on the question of um, uh, scientific analysis of uh, marijuana. Um, and um, within the department, the um, we are uh, still working on a, uh, a marijuana policy for the department. I have to say that the crack powder thing came first in, in, in my list of things that had to be done first, uh, but that was accomplished, as, as you already know. And I think that uh, it's fair to expect uh, what I said at my confirmation hearing with respect to marijuana policy, that it will be very close uh, to uh, uh, what was done in the Cole memorandum, Deputy Attorney General Cole in the Obama administration. But we're not, we're not quite done with that yet. Well, I'm, I'm very eager to get uh, to hear more about that, and I'm hoping that uh, you can give that review. The complicated uh, 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 policies as more and more states, red and blue, are moving. Uh, um, uh, it'd be good to hear that as quickly as possible. And I just would like you to respond for the record. There's some scurrilous statements out there that you're dissatisfied with your chief of staff and would like to, him to be replaced by his eldest son. So if you could respond on the record for me uh, at some point about the that. Only, the only bad mark in his uh, resume is that he worked for you once. So, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. Senator Blackburn. 
No, thank no. you, Mr. Chairman and Mr. Attorney General. Thank you for your time today. Yeah, I can't even stand the sound of her voice. Sorry. Nope. But I am going to go back and uh, run the clip that Flavio referenced earlier. It's much shorter. When it comes to federal prisons, are you aware that 1,200 prisoners are requesting to be sent from a male prison to a female prison? Uh, I'm not, no. Okay. It's kind of hoping you had their names. <sighs> Sorry. Uh, what is our policy when it comes to allowing a male prisoner to be transitioned into a female prison? I, I think uh, if you're generally asking the question of how um, uh, trans people are dealt with in the Bureau of Prisons, my understanding um, is that these are uh, determinations about um, uh, where they're placed or where people are placed in general have to do with individualized determinations regarding the security of that individual um, and the management of the prison. These are done on a case-by-case -case basis. That's my understanding. Are you aware of any policy guidelines that they use to make that determination? I think there is a policy guideline along the lines that I just said that, that they I are. Would, I would like for the Bureau of Prisons to send it to us. Are you concerned that if a biological male is sent to a female prison, that could be a risk to female prisoners? I think every uh, uh, person in prison has to be dealt with uh, with dignity and respect. Uh, that determinations of the safety questions you're talking about have to be made on an individualized basis uh, and not categorically. Okay. Not categorically. Because, see, uh, Lady G cannot cope with or deal with the fact that trans women are women. Trans women do not belong in men's prisons. That is every bit of a death sentence. And unless a court has handed down a death sentence, they shouldn't be killed. And if a court has handed down a death sentence, it is handled in a manner prescribed by law, not by turning them loo uh, turning a trans woman loose, especially, uh, well, no, no especially, any trans woman loose uh, in the tender mercies of a men's prison population. But Lady G is uh, pres proscribed by his membership in the maggot party from even acknowledging the common basic humanity of a trans woman being or uh, brutality of a trans woman being sent to a men's prison and while we tend to think that Lady G spends a lot of time thinking about you know the penis. The fact of the matter is, a trans woman in transition doesn't have the kind of equipment that function much anymore. Without going into too much more detail. But this first step, or these are these are first steps
All of this is eliminationist rhetoric. I'm sure I'm sure Lady G would prefer for trans women to be housed in men's prisons. It probably works into some some kink of his. And just to let you know, uh, over there on the Daily Wire, you know that's that right wing chop shop. That brings in, a, and wow, would I like to know who these advertisers are and why they aren't being boycotted into the sun. The Daily Wire brings in $100 million a year. You know, that's Ben Shapiro's, you know, Ben, my wife is dry Shapiro's uh, outfit. And it's not just Matt Walsh and Candio, there's also a, a, a little creep by the name of Michael Knowles. And you might recognize this language maybe for, from some history you studied at some point in time. Michael Knowles has announced that it is impossible for there to be a genocide of trans people. He explained this by saying that it's not a legitimate category of being. They, meaning people like me, are laboring under a delusion, and so we need to correct this delusion. Correct the delusion sort of rhymes with final solution, doesn't it? And so L. Jean Mc- L. L. John McArdle... West Virginia chairwoman of the GQP and Miss Lindsay and Raffaellito and Josh Hall and ass who well he ran away like a never mind but authored a authored a book on masculinity Presumably not while he was running away from his own people. I'm trying to figure out if A.G. Uh, uh, A. Garland's answer that every prisoner deserves dignity and respect, that's probably going to be a headline all by itself. Attorney General soft on crime wants to give dignity to convicted criminals. As I've said before, sometimes I hate the fact that I know how that I can actually get into their mindset. Over on the uh, House side, they had a uh, subcommittee meeting of the Crime and Federal Surveillance Subcommittee of the House Judiciary. And some dude named Derek Maltz, who used to be a DEA agent and then, of course, got on the right-wing gravy train and became a Fox News commentator, 
uh, speechified in the hearing about fentanyl and other drugs that are being foisted on America by Mexican drug cartels. And echoing, uh, the man who is probably his god emperor said that a lot of migrants come to the United States looking for a better life. But he said, we also have terrorists, we have rapists, we have sexual predators who cross the southern border. So eventually Steve Cohen, a Democrat from Memphis, that rare Southern Democrat got a chance to ask a couple of questions. Um, what we basically heard from the other side is that immigration is not a problem. We didn't hear that in a testimony from Sheriff Daniels, Cochise County, Arizona, and the sheriff. Okay, this idiot is Tom Tiffany, and he he's from Wisconsin. And he's so damn dumb that he couldn't pour piss out of a boot with directions on the heel. I know this for a fact uh, from my friends in Wisconsin. From Yuma, Yuma County over the last month. Um, do, you, uh, do you agree with the sheriffs that immigration has uh, fostered this increase in fentanyl coming across the border? 100%. The country's being invaded. There's migrants coming from over 160 countries. They're looking to get here for a better life, many of them, okay? but Yeah, okay, you got that? Yeah, this is just like when I'm, like, on the TV with Judge Janine, uh, J- J- Judge Janine Boxeline. We also have terrorists. We have rapists. We have sexual predators. We have criminals coming over that border every day. There's over a million gotaways coming into the country. Here's the problem, Congressman. The people in this town don't listen to the experts that know what they're talking about that have been there on the border. Yeah, and he's one of them experts. Hey, look, I'm dancing. Chairman Biggs goes down there, like many of you, go down there and talk to the experts, not reading it in the Washington Post. Sir, yeah, I just need my final 15 seconds here, but thank you for that. If for no other reason, let's set aside the human trafficking and the largest human trafficking network that has been set up in the history of the world. Set it aside. We have the greatest number of people on the terror watch list come across our border, correct? Yes. Set that aside. If for no other reason, for fentanyl, we should be securing the border. I yield back. So much time's expired. Yeah, for fentanyl, which is coming in on container ships at, you know, like Los Angeles. Don't tell Tom Tiffany. Gentleman from Tennessee, Mr. Cohen. Thank you, Mr. Chair. First, Mrs. Uh, is, is Rockwall, Mrs. Rockwall, I was here when you testified, and I'm very sorry about your son and the circumstances, your husband as well. Uh, did the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, after your, your son's overdose, do anything to start to inform students about drugs and have some type of a public interest program there, public information? Did we, I'm sorry, did we Did Wisconsin-Milwaukee do anything? Um, the university? Yes, yes, ma'am. They did after we um, respectfully pushed them and continue to push them. Um, we were able to get naloxone boxes installed across the campus uh, 
for safety. And then we were also able to have them instill a freshman program so that the students were aware of what to do and the signs, et cetera, posters up, all of those kinds of things. Well, thank you for what you did. And do you know if that's been... Take a minute with that. This grieving mother, the horror. In the wake of losing her son to a drug overdose, and we know a little bit about that here. I personally have known people who have died of overdoses. And the shadow that their absence casts is long and dark. This grieving mother worked with the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee to get naloxone boxes. You know, that's the drug that reverses overdoses. But let's be clear about something. Republicans hate those. Maggots hate those. I can't tell you the number of times that I've seen comments uh, from conservatives saying, just let them die. Let the dumbass drug drugies die. They're scum. They deserve to die. We have HIV crises in Charleston, West Virginia, and, and, and Huntington, West Virginia now because of the braying and barking and grunting of conservatives about harm reduction programs and needle exchanges. We don't want that. They need to just quit doing them drugs. Well, Randy Radar, <laughs> you didn't say... That's what I was asking, speculating about earlier. The fentanyl comes in through ports of entry from China on freighters. And who knows, maybe some of Elaine Chow's family's ships are doing the carrying. Randy Radar asked, didn't some of that come in on Mitch's wife's daddy's container ships? Well, there was the big bust with all the cocaine on, on the ship. Don't know for certain about fentanyl, but it seems statistically at least possible, doesn't it? Been done in other other colleges. In Wisconsin specifically, 90% of the University of Wisconsin system um, does have the naloxone boxes, and they are following suit with that. Um, but, you know, it, it, every school's different, so it, right. it's, there's not a unified approach at this point. And, and as far as it, they, they have, like, an orientation, they tell them about drugs and, and, and warn them? Correct. Who do they have do that? Do you know? Is it, is it a, the, the, a police person or is it a community person, an athlete or what? Not an athlete. I, the police are involved. In fact, actually, as we speak today, here, right now, um, 
there's a program at the university today that we were supposed to speak at that our board is actually presenting for us. Um, so there, there are speaking events that we are involved in, being involved in, but also the substance uh, department of the school and the police. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I don't know who to ask the question to. Maybe Mr. Maltz, if you can not go, go over the top with me. I've got ear problems, but whatever. Uh, what, what works? What, Dr. Singer, you can answer this too, or Dr. Westlake. What has proven to work, to reduce? Dr. Singer, are you got an answer, please? Um, well, uh, in many other countries, they don't have our overdose problem, even though there's a drug problem in a lot of Europe. So, for example, uh, in Switzerland, in Germany, in Portugal, in France, in Spain, they've put much more of an, in Canada, they put much more of an emphasis on harm reduction. Harm reduction, the concept of harm reduction is to non-judgmentally tell, uh, do things for people that can make whatever choices they're making less dangerous. That comes natural to doctors because in this country and in most developed countries, that's, that's largely what we do. When, when I have a patient, How do you do that? Having well, narcon around? When it comes to drugs, you could, again, make it easier for people to get the overdose antidote naloxone. Right. Uh, allow people to get test strips to test to see if the, what they purchased on the black market is what they think it is, see if it has fentanyl or xylazine, but also um, um, allow, there are many groups in this country that want to set up these overdose prevention centers, which have been proven to, there's not, not been one overdose taking place. There are two that are right now in defiance of federal law operating in New York City. They started in November 2021, and by April of 2022, they'd already reversed 230 overdose deaths. Those are 230 people who would have been dead. So, but they're not allowed to do that is because that's the only place they have it is in New York City. I beg your pardon. The only place that has that program is in New York. Well, they, uh, at, in November 2021, the mayor of New York, in defiance of 21 U.S.C. Section 856, permitted a, a nonprofit private harm reduction organization to operate two overdose prevention centers, and they've been functioning, and so far the Justice Department hasn't acted on it. Okay. Thank you. You know, I think all of us would like to see a, a, this reduced, eliminated, if possible. And, and Mr. Maltz, I appreciate your work in the past, and, but, you know, I don't know if, if the idea of the death penalty is, is a good idea, because the reality is, and this is just, you know, my guess, I don't think people who buy the fentanyl think they're going to overdose, so they buy it. So they've heard it's a fun trip or a good trip or whatever. And I suspect that the people that deal it don't think they're going to get caught. Even if you have the death penalty, they don't think I'm going to get caught. So I don't know if that's the answer. I, I think we have busted a lot of the cartels, have we not? I, I don't know their names. Is it Pablo Escobar, somebody we got and put away? Sir, first of all, I apologize for yelling and screaming, but you know what? I've been dealing with the families for many years, and there's no action going on in this town. That so I will tell you action. this. That I will tell you. Action. Uh, let me let me ask. Let me answer the question. First of all, I would appreciate if you stop calling it an overdose. It's a poisoning, and it's a war against our kids. So stop with the overdosing. That's part of the problem. The American public thinks it's a substance My that time people want to take. I yield back. Uh, your time is expired. I, Did you you finished answering the question, Mr. Maltz? Yes, sir. Mr. Thank Chairman. You. Mr. Gates. Stop calling it an overdose. It's a point. Yeah. And you know why? You know, you know why? The, God, 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 God. This makes me crazy.
We're going to have to time travel for this one, Charmin. Back in early 2001, Dim Leader invited some Taliban dudes to the White House to praise them, Afghan Taliban, to praise them for the job that they had done with a shit ton of American money eliminating poppy fields in Afghanistan and bringing the Afghan warlords under control. A bit later, and you may very well remember this, there was all that business about... uh, the dim leader administration telling the Taliban you can have a carpet of gold or a carpet of bombs. Well, when we started the bombing campaign somewhere around September of 2001, I remember it well, we made that decision, not the Taliban. We didn't make that decision. Darth Cheney and that whole filthy project for a new American century, Paul Wolfowitz, the comb licker. Um, Dim leader himself. Decided to bomb Afghanistan into the Stone Age, causing Donald Rumfeld, the Secretary of Defense, to complain... There's nothing worth bombing over there. But bomb we did. With reckless abandon. I lost count of how many uh, Afghan weddings we hellfire missiled. But I digress. The fact of the matter is... It wasn't long after the bombing started that the and 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 the Taliban put put wings to heel that the warlords were back in business in the opium fields. And I remember reports from like 2003 and 2004 primarily 2004 and on that the Afghan warlords were being so brazen that they were actually branding, they had brand stamps indicating which warlord produced the hair. The, it was literally branded heroin. That was, and, and, and some of it was being interdicted at ports of entry in the U.S. And that's the origin of the modern heroin crisis but the nature of a black market is such that it is inherently dishonest and so fentanyl fentanyl, fentanyl, fentanyl 
Fentanyl is a prescribed pharmaceutical with legitimate medical uses. But like any chemical compound, it can be reproduced if one knows the right recipe. Enter China. Among other things, earlier today, A.G. Garland said that the United States was deliberately targeted by the cartels. But that's a little bit of that's a, that's a little bit of disingenuous language. One of the, black markets are one of the purest forms of capitalism because they operate outside the boundaries of law and regulation. It is everything a free marketeer dreams of. The law of supply and demand controlling everything with no artificial interference from government or regulatory agencies. So to say that the cartels targeted the United States with fentanyl is not entirely accurate. What the cartels are doing is meeting a capitalist demand. They are fulfilling a free market need. And they play dirty. A heroin addict can think that they've got they've gotten they've gotten a, a, a bag of heroin may have a shit ton of fentanyl in it. The black marketeer does not care. Because the need will remain no matter how many they kill off. They're just trying to maximize their profits. Now this is not me excusing their conduct. But it is me acknowledging the capitalist free market nature of black market economics. And so when this Fox News dude starts hooting and grunting about uh, it's a poisoning and not an overdose, trying to embarrass Steve Cohen, well, for the person overdosing, it is an overdose. They're not going out there trying to buy poison. They're going out there meeting what William S. Burroughs referred to in Naked Lunch as the algebra of need. Naked Lunch is a hell of a book. Not an easy read. Burroughs himself wrote it while whacked out of his mind on, among other things, heroin. And the algebra of need, as he describes it, is a, is, is a profound calculation.
uh, at one point in time, well, Burroughs himself described it saying, I simply meant that given certain known factors in an equation and the equation comprising a situation of absolute need, any form of need, you can predict the results. Leave a sick junkie in the back room of a drugstore and only one result is possible. And he wasn't wrong. The same is true of anyone in a state of absolute hunger, absolute fear, etc. The more absolute the need, the more predictable the behavior becomes until it is mathematically certain. And so, yeah, the cartels send fentanyl into the United States. China sends fentanyl into the United States because there is an aching demand for it. William S. Burroughs told that to Jaguar magazine when I was three years old. 1966. That was the previous heroin problem. The current heroin problem was, whether they meant to or not, born in the sick and twisted minds of people like Donald Rumfeld and Dick Cheney and Paul Wolfowitz and George W. Bush. Stack the bodies like cordwood on their doorsteps. And I frankly don't give a good goddamn what Derek Maltz has to say. Because he's just a flack. He's a shill. He was there exclusively at the at the request of the maggot majority to do exactly what he did come up with a sound bite for Fox News TV Radio Rwanda and it's sickening he is he he, he literally preyed upon the ache and the hurt that will never, ever go away of people like that mother seated next to him. But Maltz used the term poisoning. There is another poisoning in the news. Yes, there is. In the Iranian city of Qom, Q-O-M, Iranian schoolgirls by the dozens have needed hospital treatment as recently as yesterday after someone mysteriously poisoned them. The someone wants schools for girls closed in Iran.
the Tasnim News Agency reported today at noon, meaning yesterday, a number of students were poisoned at the Kayam Girls School in the city of Pardis, Tehran province. Thirty-five young girls were taken to a hospital. The number of cases of poisoning of young women since November uh, numbers in the hundreds. And they follow in the wake of the protests started by Iranian women after the murder of uh, Iranian Kurd Masa Amini because she wouldn't wear the head the, she wouldn't wear the holy headgear hard to imagine that you could get close enough to the school to poison the young students without somebody in an autocratic dictatorial government like that of Iran knowing about it. There have been four poisonings in the western Iranian city of uh, uh, Borojerd. Students at a girls' school there this past Sunday... were taken to the hospital after a po- another poisoning incident. The Iranian police chief, Ahmad Reza Radan, said, Our priority is to find the origin of this case, and until then we will not judge whether it was intentional or not. Ooh! I think the police chief just gave us a clue, don't you? We have not yet arrested anyone in this case, and we are identifying possible suspects. The Iranian news agency said after the poisoning, uh, this is from Yunus Panahi, the deputy health minister, after the poisoning of several students in Qom schools, it was found that some people wanted all schools, especially girls' schools, to be closed. It was found. The passive voice doing a lot of work there. Curious, isn't it, that all of this happens only after the protests against the forced wearing of a hijab royal of the country maybe it does have something to do with keeping girls out of school I mean it it wouldn't wouldn't be the first time that that happened in a fundamentalist Islamic country in this country we still patriarchally uh, dictate what girls can and cannot wear in schools here. But a poisoned girl can't go into the streets and protest now about having to wear the sacred holy headgear now, can they? 
Doesn't seem quite as random, does it? Meanwhile, activists are saying, hey, you know, we recognize this behavior. This is what the Taliban does in Afghanistan, and this is what Boko Haram does in the Sahel. Parents have gathered in front of uh, government offices in Qom, begging for an explanation. I wouldn't bet on one being any time forthcoming. A legislator from Qom named Ahmad Amiri Farhani said that the poisoning was an irrational act and said that uh, here in Qom, the holy city of Qom, we support girls' education. Yeah. Teach them girls that they'll have the holy shit beaten out of them if they don't wear the sacred holy headgear. On the other hand, there's uh, former Vice President Masuma Ebtekar. He's a reformer of sorts and decried the repeat of the crime of poisoning girls and said that the uh, people in power should put an end to misogynistic fanatics once and for all. Well, that would mean the entire government of Iran resigning or falling. So, yeah, hope in one hand, uh, Mr. Ebtekar... Shit in the other. See which one fills up first, why don't you? Wow. This has turned into a two-hour and 40-minute filler robster. Uh, you're welcome to chime in if you'd like. The stress line's open, 844-843-4676, 844-THE-HORN. Or, regrettably, Bob Kincaid Horn on Skype. And uh, either of the either of those will get you into the conversation. Uh, please, by the way, on the podcast, like and subscribe. Leave a comment. Means a lot. Really does help. Oh, I guess we're gonna have. We're 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 in, we're in that world where. It's impossible to go a day without talking about Marginal Trailer Queen. Uh, you remember re- earlier she was claiming that she's been constantly swatted and police come to her home. I don't know how much of that I believe, or if it actually happened. I'd, she's the kind of person that could make it up and, and do it to herself. The Daily Beast is now reporting that Marge claims that she was attacked in a restaurant by an insane person. Naturally, she went to Twitter to piss and moan about it. I was attacked in a restaurant tonight by an insane woman. An insane woman. Sorry. 
and screamed at her by uh, screamed at by her adult son. They had no respect for the restaurant or the staff or the other people dining or people like me who simply have different political views. There's wait wait for the description. The description is what makes it art. They're self-righteous, insane, and completely out of control. I was sitting at my table working with my staff and never even noticed these people until they turned into demons. People used to respect others even if they had different views, but not anymore. Our country is gone. Um, gee. Interesting you would note that, Marge. Uh, another individual responding to her said, uh, Huh. I heard about some crackpot who mocked and stalked Parkland shooting survivor David Hogg. Some ass even heckled the president during a joint session of Congress. People don't respect Marge, uh, Marge because Marge is self-righteous, rude, and insane. My dear friend Rick Smith responded and said, You hypocrite. You attacked a child on the street. David Hogg himself chimed in and said, Man, that sucks. I was attacked and screamed at in 2018 by an insane woman named Marjorie Taylor Greene. She had no respect for the privacy of me as an 18-year-old school shooting survivor or my staff. She was self-righteous, insane, and completely out of control. Curiously, the only evidence we have of this transaction is Marge's self-report. Well, I guess maybe this is part of her... National divorce strategy, because remember, she can spell national because she's a Christian nationalist, and she can spell divorce because, well, but there's no way she would successfully spell secession. Probably thinks it's the same thing as that HBO uh, series that I've never really watched. Oh, wait a minute, cowbell. Where's the cowbell? There's my cowbell. That cowbell is for Bernadette. Subject line, MTG. Okay, I just got to know, did she pass by a mirror in the restaurant asking for, well, me? <laughs> Maybe she was barking and grunting and screaming and hooting as she flipped open her compact to put a little more spackle on her face. One never knows. You know, video or it didn't happen, Marge. Scary Jerry says, so far down the road, we're painting road signs. You coined the term bomb train like seven years ago. I don't think I coined it, uh, Jerry. Uh, my sister in Hicks, your prophetess skills are without compare or parallel. 
in reference to Rhonda DeSatan, how does one get into attack ads? My contribution to the progressive zeitgeist, repubes or just pubes, because that's all they give a flying fuck about, especially de youngins. It's funny, in civilization, Greece, train crash, dudes are already in jail. Also, what's everyone's favorite weed? Me, sour diesel, cheese, strawberry cough. I do so little of it, but I do it, it, what I what things that are indica. Can't take the sativa stuff. And I'm on season two of Picard, running out of stuff to watch. Horn suggestions? I'm waiting for Lasso. I know. Hey, fifteen days to Ted Lasso. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder if it's going to crash the streams, the, the streaming servers. But there's a, uh, oh, what was I just thinking about when you said uh, other things to watch? Um, I'm looking forward to the return of Tokyo 911. That was a great show. It's coming back. Um, oh, there's something that premieres like tonight, and I had it right on the tip of my tongue, and I'll remember it later. Oh, 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 The Mandalorian. That's what it was. Yeah, The Mandalorian is back. That's it, says Scary Jerry. Red Florida sucks, DeSantis taint. Red Florida sucks, DeSantis taint. I avoid thinking about it. Uh, Randy Radar says, an undeclared war on Peacock. If you, Scary Jerry, if you have not watched Poker Face, get with it. Uh, Annette and I are all caught up, and we're waiting for the next episode tomorrow. Uh, the new Quantum Leap is awesome. They're just really sketchy about when they introduce or, or when they when they put up new seasons. I think there's one due. Maybe we'll get to watch it this evening. The, the new the new Night Court is kind of cute. Uh, in closing, Scary Jerry says, "Seems like the Trump train derailed, crashed, filled the sky with black demonic smoke, and." Then everything died in reverse in a reverse Skittle synthetic MAGA right bow. You can taste the rainbow, all right. Tastes like chemo. No breaks was a euphemism. A racist delusion and a prophecy. By the way, Texas wants to ban abortion searches at the ISP level. Small government indeed. Says Scary Jerry. Salud. Adios. And meanwhile, Brother Bishop Steve from Georgistan, all-around great guy, said, uh, Too good to be true. History, History of the World Part 2 release date. Mark your calendar. History of the World Part 2, the long-awaited sequel that was teased in 1981, will be out starting on Hulu next Monday. Mel Brooks is 96 years old. Steve, is, is Mel in it? That's just wild. God, I hope it's as funny as the first one. So there is some stuff out there, Scary Jerry. Without a doubt. 
waiting for Lasso. Uh, let's run over to the stress line and see who we've got in these remaining moments of the program. Hey, welcome to the program. Hi, it's Randy Rager. How do you do? I'm doing good, Randy. How are you? I'm okay. Um, I will pledge $100 if you can find on the Internet and play Michelle Schottke, I believe that's the artist, uh, Prodigal Daughter. Michelle shocked, prodigal daughter. Okay. I, I'm trying to find it on any album I can. Maybe the recent release. Uh, I have not been able to find the album it's on. Huh. Well, let me just start with a... It'd be nice if I could spell. Prodigal... Daughter. Okay, it popped in the search list. Um, I'm not seeing it by Michelle Shock. Okay. Uh, I'm seeing it by, uh, let's see, Lights, and I'm seeing it by, and this is an Irish name, so I don't know, I'm going to butcher it. Eighth O'Donovan featuring Allison Russell. Okay, maybe the Irish version. I guess I haven't heard the Irish version yet. Um, let's see here. I'm sure. That, yeah, there's going to be an ad. So. Take a second. Song Prodigal Daughter with help from Allison Russell, Eva O'Donovan. Eva. Is this it? No, it doesn't sound like it. Uh, I get the lyrics. So, uh, off of, I put in the shell shock and particle daughter. It's about the son who comes, uh, particle son who comes home, uh, and they throw him a big party, like in the Bible. Yeah. And uh, the particle daughter comes home pregnant, and by some guy, and uh, like she's a family shame, and like it says, uh, there's none in the cup because he drank it all up. Left from the prodigal daughter. <laughs> wow! Uh, so it was great shame on the family. Yeah, I'm unfamiliar with that. Now, yeah. I, now, now I've got kind of a mission. Uh, I'll check in with Annette. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll check in with a uh, with Annette too. She might. Um, I, I went. I went through a long period of time where I became absolutely oblivious to um, new music. Kind of a shame for an old. Anyway, this is a this is a folk this is a folk tune, so it did not uh, the Irish person did not sound did not sound right uh, to, to the lyrics I got from. If you look under lyrics, uh, Michelle shot particle daughter, and it says it, it does not mention the album, so it may be a recent release. I'm not sure. Okay, hold on. Um... 
I got a lot of Michelle shocked. I know. <laughs> but nothing. Maybe no- I can get, send you a link. Okay. Anyway, but yeah. Oh, bless your heart. Thank uh-huh. you, Randy. Thank you. That means we're okay. we're all caught up for today. All right. I um, I, I spent the day looking for. I could I could not find the site that would play it. So. Uh, okay. Well, uh, I just got a I, I just got a note from Roger in Oregon. He may. Yeah. Uh, he he may have found it. Uh, Let me let me check this. Huh. Prodigal daughter, nineteen ninety one, Michelle shocked. And that's on that's that's at Spotify. I did not find it. It's uh, it's okay. It is track. It's track ten on the album Arkansas Traveler. Okay. Uh, I I don't know why I don't know why the uh, cell's breaking up again. Uh, I think it'll be better when I get away from Verizon. Very good. Bye-bye. All right. Take care, Randy. Bye. Okay. Uh, Randy thinks well of the song, so uh, I'm, I'm going to try to listen to it after the program. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Randy. Uh, we uh, we met in full. Bruce and Karen's Memorial Challenge. That's wonderful. It's very important. Thanks to our Patreon and PayPal subscribers. Thank you. To our a la carte contributors. Um, thank you to each and every one of you who share your precious finite time engaging in this program. Huh, we had a listener from Saudi Arabia today. Brother Deacon Asa telling me, say hi to Mohammed bin Bonesaw. Uh, thank you so much, everybody. Thanks to our all-volunteer staff. Thank you to Roger and Steve in the chat room. Thank you to our news ninjas. Thank you, Brother Deacon Asa, head on dot live. Thank you, John Fox in Australia. Thank you, Ben Birch, WhiteRoseSociety.org. Thanks to the Hardest working, bravest people I know, the folks at Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. 20 plus years at the forefront of the struggle for human rights and environmental justice in Appalachia. And a proud union shop. Please stay safe. Get your booster. Get your flu shot. I guess March technically ends flu season. But still. Uh, some, it, it can happen in the summer too. Okay, thank you, uh, thank you, Brother Bishop Steve. Yes, Mel, uh, Mel Brooks is in part two of History of the World. I'll be dipped. Uh, thanks for the link, Ralphs. I'll check that out. 
You have a good night, too, Steve. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Wear your mask when you're around the, the viral-laden MAGA. Use your hand sanitizer. Keep some with you at all times, pocket or purse. Maintain your social distance 15 to 20 feet like Paul from Parts Unknown says. I'm not going to stop saying this just because uh, people are have decided it's over. It isn't. I think we live in a time when there are just respites between the outbreaks of these new and horrifying viruses. And for God's sakes, if some pasty-faced blonde woman starts yelling about, I was attacked by an insane, uncivil woman in a restaurant. Well, avoid her like the plague. Because she is. And always, always, always. Gina, it's all for you. Later.